Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. Treat today. I'm going to give you a treat for this session, um, which isn't in. It's not in the Gita, but it's a really cool teaching. It's one of the premier teachings of the Gita. So, you got Ishwara two is what Paramatma or pure awareness plus Maya. So that's the creator. Then that then and the Maya has three three energies. In other words, when you create matter, Ishwara Ishwara two, it creates matter. It is matter. Matter and energy. Matter and energy the scientists will tell you is one. So this matter takes the form of three energies. Sato, Rajas and Thomas. In the first stage, there's the, there's just pure matter. It's reflective awareness. And, and Ishwara 1 shines in Ishwara 2. Uh, and it's just pure consciousness manifest everywhere. Because now there's a... Then in the second stage, Rajas, Sattva, Sattva becomes suppressed and Rajas becomes dominant. And in Rajas, when Rajas becomes dominant, then what? That mirror of Prakriti, that pure mirror of Sattva, gets shattered up and scattered into millions of bits, and those are called the jivas. You still haven't got a complete creation. So then macrocosmic rajas, what does it do? It, it becomes suppressed, and macrocosmic Thomas comes up and creates the five elements. Now you've got jivas elements, the five elements of material world, and then the karmas can start happening. Okay? Now, then the, the jivas can start to work out their karmas. The karmas are already instilled in the jivas huh, at stage two. Ishwara's got all the knowledge. So Ishwara instills all the karmas, all the vasanas, in the uh, jivas at stage two. Now, we don't care about the other jivas because we're only in, we're human beings, and we only care about um, we only care about um, human jivas. Now, human jiva, Now, each human jiva has uh, is just awareness plus maya, in other words, matter and consciousness. That's a human jiva. We talked about that yesterday. Oh, it's not on. It stopped. Oh, it's okay. It's, it, I, I'm. I, I, I've said this so many times. I've got it elsewhere. <laughs> and, 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 and so, a human jiva now has that is is a single entity. Is an entity now. It's a, it's it has limits uh, because it's it's scattered. It's split. It's it's one of many. So it has a form. And so it has limits. Okay. Now that human jiva, then it splits into three more jivas. Hmm? What are those three jivas? Pranya jiva, Tejasa jiva, and Vishwa jiva. A deep sleep jiva, a dream state jiva, and a waking state jiva. The first stage is what? 
Pranya Jiva. That's the subtlest, subtlest of the of the Jiva states. That's the first Jiva. We're going to see. You'll see here when we when we explain this when we teach this. Uh, that's the subtlest Jiva. That makes it possible for what? For consciousness in the form of the Jiva to experience the deep sleep state, the causal body. So at that stage, what the causal body appears and Pranya Jiva appears. So now you have an experiencing entity and an object of experience. The object of experience is what? Deep sleep. And the one that's experiencing it is called Pranya Jiva. And he's, that Jiva is what's called a Sukshma Vritti. That is, it's, what, it's much subtler Jiva than the Jivas that are sitting in this room. We all have that Jiva in us. We will all become that Jiva when we go to sleep. But right now, these Jivas, these waking state Jivas that we are, is a much grosser Vritti. That's why we can see uh, gross objects. But that Pranya Jiva, that first stage, it's like the seed state or the egg stage. That, that one, huh? it is so subtle, it allows awareness to experience itself without any objects. And so that Jiva is called, is said, is called Pranya, and Pranya means almost enlightened. <laughs> huh? Why? Because he's the closest to the self. Huh? And, he get, and what does he experience? Limitlessness, which is the self. There's no limits when, you, when you're sleeping. Huh? And bliss. Because the self's nature. The self reflecting in that causal body is called the bliss sheath. So when that jiva is in the bliss sheath, huh, it's experiencing bliss and limitless. The only thing that's missing, of course, is what? The knowledge, because the intellect isn't there to know uh, what it's experiencing, uh, to to draw the conclusion that I'm experiencing myself. Now, in in the in the waking state, jiva, you're experiencing the self all the time, but your intellect is gross and extroverted, so you don't, you can't, you're not in, in touch with your experience of yourself. So then you then you try to experience yourself as an object. Now in the second state, the jiva is what? It's called tejasa jiva. There it's a little grosser. It's not as gross as the waking state jiva and not as subtle as the prana jiva, the deep sleep jiva. And there, what does it experience? It experiences the vasanas as they're sprouting in the causal, in the subtle body. I'm going to explain that now. It's funny you should ask this question because it leads right into what we're talking. But that's Ishwara setting it all up. And so that's your dream state. Okay? So that's the next stage of Jiva. And then, then the third state of Jiva is called the waking state Jiva. That's this gross person that I am that's wandering around here in these objects with all these desires and fears and so forth and so on. Now, so that's, those are fun. That's the, the, every individual, every, every eternal Jiva has three sub-Jivas and then each one of each, those, the, the three sub-Jivas have infinite number of what? 
individual jivas, people. Huh? In the waking state, that huh, the Vishwa jiva spreads out and becomes infinite number of different kinds of jivas. Basically, per, basically, astrology and enneagram and all those start to classify or categorize the various types of jivas, right? Of waking state jivas. So, what, what, in other words, in other words, the jiva that starts out is what is one, and it becomes multiple. It splits out into to infinite numbers of jivas. So, it's a it's a beautiful science. Well, anyway, uh, let's get this turned on. You'll see more of it. We'll we'll continue with that discussion in a minute. I should. Hey, you're right. I should have turned it on, but I didn't want to back up and start over again. Anyway, it's explained elsewhere on other videos. Okay. Sarashiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmaracharya Paryantam Vande Guru Paramparam Ishwaro Guratmeti Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomavad Vyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurta Yenamaha Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta Gocharam tamagocharam govindam paramanandam sadgurum pranatosmiham om. Okay, we, we're uh, <clears throat> we're just about to enter the third uh, the third section of the Gita. The Gita is in three sections. The first deals with jiva, uh, free will and action. Karma yoga, basically. Karma and karma yoga. We didn't cover it in, in excruciating detail. You can spend a good week or two day, or two on so simply the topic of karma, but we gave you a basic outline. Then the second six sections that we were just dealing with, the second six from, from uh, chapter 7 to chapter... Uh, 13 uh, or chapter 12 is it was called the Upasana Yoga and that's meditation on Ishwara okay you can get self-realization by meditating on Jiva you can get uh, God realization by meditating on Ishwara and meditation on Jiva and Ishwara yields the same result which is what both are pure consciousness only and all knowledge of yourself is pure consciousness by subtracting jiva and ishwara is moksha. Now, the third section is going to deal with the identity between jiva and ishwara. We're not going to take that up right now, so I thought I'd use it as an opportunity to give you a teaching that uh, is not uh, presented exactly in the Gita. Uh, it's, this is a very... A sophisticated teaching. It's probably uh, the most uh, popular and most powerful teaching, prakriya uh, teaching uh, of Vedanta. And it comes from the Mandukya Upanishad. 
it deals with this topic we've been talking about, the three states, the three different jivas. The one jiva, you, your consciousness, right, within a form, has three states and three experiencing entities. The mandukya means a frog. And after you've heard this teaching, you, you see if you can figure out why they call it the Frog Upanishad. It's a very cool, uh, very cool title. It, it's beautiful that, that it, the interesting thing about Vedanta is, and, and this title itself in, indicates a, a very important fact about Vedanta, which is Vedanta is, is called Apurusheya Jnanam. Apurusheya Jnanam means not from human beings. So Vedanta didn't come from human beings. That's why there's no name, nobody's name on that Upanishad. There's no name on it. Because it didn't come from human beings. So they just called it the Frog Upanishad. Now that's a very strange statement, isn't it? Because... We we believe that everything that we know comes from human beings, but it's not so. The science of Vedanta does not come from human beings. It's our tradition is called Shruti, and Shruti means it's a herd tradition. The ones who heard it were called rishis, seers. So hearing and sight are symbols of what of the fact that this knowledge came from outside the human mind, from beyond or outside the human mind. Because when you see something, you see something outside yourself, don't you? You see see a tree, the tree's outside. This is a symbol. When you hear something, uh, you, it, the sound comes from the outside. So this knowledge didn't come from within human beings. It came from beyond human beings. It's revealed knowledge. It's revealed in this sense, in the same way that, uh, was it Galileo realized the gravity? No, what was the guy that, Newton. Now Newton didn't invent gravity, did he? And Newton didn't invent the knowledge of gravity either. Newton saw, uh, he had an insight, he had previous bits of information hmm, about the universe, and un- and then his unconscious mind, Ishwara, what, brought all those bits together, and boom, click, huh? the idea, the knowledge came to him. A Thomas Edison and electricity and so forth and so on. People who make all these kinds of discoveries, they will tell you they didn't cook it up. They didn't, it wasn't their own idea. It came to them. It was in a moment. They had a certain amount of information and then click, it came. So these, these rishis, these people who were the source, don't claim this knowledge. This is why Vedanta is not a philosophy. You, this is one of our biggest fights in 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 our in lineage I come from. We're constantly having to fight with these people who claim that Vedanta or or present Vedanta as a 
a philosophy or a school of thought as if there was some sort of, uh, as if it was a contention of a person or a group of people, like non-dualists or dualists, as if it were a group of people who believed a certain thing. There is no such thing. Vedanta is not a, a school of thought or philosophy. There aren't any dualists or non-dualists from our point of view. And the reason is, and here's the reason, because Vedanta is simply a means of knowledge. Just like the eyes are a means of knowledge for, for forms, ears are a means of knowledge for sound, the means of knowledge for what? Consciousness is Vedanta. So it's not, it's not a philosophy, it's not a, a, an idea. It's just simply a tool, an instrument that will reveal Vedanta, if you, that will reveal the self if you subject your mind to it. So that's why this is called the Frog Upanishad. The rishi who, to, who, the rishi who, to whom this knowledge was presented, or who received this knowledge from Bhagawan, didn't put his name on it. And nobody in, the, in our tradition will put their name on, on, on an Upanishad or one of those things. And if they write a commentary, these are called prakriyas, I mean uh, prakarana texts, if they write a commentary on the prakarana texts, they will make it very clear that all of the ideas came from the Upanishads, that they don't belong to the person themselves. And for that reason, I tell you, this is not my teaching. People often say, I, I really like your teaching, sir. And I tell them right away, no, it's not my teaching. It has nothing to do with me at all. It was uh, given to me, so I can't in any way claim this teaching to be mine. It was given to me from the outside, from my guru, who got it from his guru, right on back to the first guru, right, which was what? Ishwara. So... That's why it's called uh, the Frog Upanishad. Now, Frog Upanishad, Mandukya means frog. The Frog Upanishad is um, an analysis of experience. All, huh? This is not a religion. Vedanta is not a religion or a school of thought. It's an analysis of experience. All of our, all of our teachings come from analyzing experience analyzing existence, analyzing the three states, analyzing the body, analyzing the elements, analyzing the mind. All of these, every one of these prakriyas comes out of an analysis of some, some aspect of experience. Because if, if everything is consciousness, then experience is consciousness. And by investigating experience, we can arrive at consciousness. Huh? Like we started, we, we, I showed you how I was wearing consciousness and not a shirt. How did we do that? How did we get from this shirt to consciousness? Well, we applied a certain methodology. We applied a certain methodology. Everybody agreed as we went through the, the steps of the, of the teaching. Everybody agreed, yes, 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 yes. And at the end, you had to say, "Well, yes, he is wearing he is wearing consciousness. He's not wearing a shirt, even though it looks like he's wearing a shirt. He's actually <laughs> wearing consciousness." Understand? 
This Vedanta reveals the unexamined logic of your own experience. This is in you already, but because you're so extroverted, so bothered with your feelings and your emotions and your life situation and your thoughts and all that sort of thing, you don't have time to investigate what you really know. So Vedanta teaches you how to make an investigation into what you really know and reveals the unexamined logic, the unexamined knowledge that's already in you. And it just is just several simple methods uh, that we arrive at the conclusion that everything is nothing but awareness, nothing but consciousness, and that I am that consciousness. Now, if you follow the logic here, it will really be impossible for you to 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 identify yourself as the waking state entity, as the Vishwajiva. It will just be impossible. And that's one of, and then, and, and, and by implication, you're going to have to take what? Consciousness as your identity, if you understand this teaching. If you have faith, if you, in other words, if you follow the logic, you don't even have to have faith in the teaching, all you have to do is follow the logic, because the logic is impeccable. And, uh, and it's not a logic that you would ever have, what, cooked up on your own. That's why we know. Every time I give work one of these prakriyas on people, I, uh, I ask them, and nobody ever, everyone says they could not have figured that out themselves, including myself. I, could, I tried to figure it out, I couldn't figure it out. I was taught. <laughs> I was taught, and that's how I figured it out. In other words, I didn't figure it out. All I did was have the sense to listen to my guru and, and, and follow the, the, the train of thought right, over and over and over again until I learned uh, on my own. I could apply that knowledge to my own mind. So this teaching uh, is an analysis of the three states of experience. All human beings, every human being, only has three states of experience. That's it. You're either awake, you're either dreaming, or you're asleep. That's it. Within the waking state and the dream state, there are varieties of experience, varieties of discrete or individual or specific experiences, but uh, you only dream, wake, and sleep. There is no 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 10th state of experience. There's no higher state or lower state. There's only three states of experience. Waking, dream, and deep sleep. Now, and each, each, each state of experience, each wake, each state, can only be experienced, what? By an entity by a conscious being, by a sentient being. That's why if, if, if you're not sentient, if you're not conscious and intelligent, you can't experience anything. This chair does not experience that, that lamp. 
they're both consciousness but they're not sentient this doesn't have a subtle body and that doesn't have a subtle body so there's no way for it to experience itself it is consciousness and this is consciousness in the form of existence but but there's no way for these two things to experience each other so experience is a what a conscious subject and an inert object material object all states are inert or material <laughs> there's no state of conscious that's conscious <laughs> state of consciousness that's conscious the states are subtle 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 energies that what jiva can pick up on and experience because the jiva is actually what paramatma pure consciousness so there's no experience that it basically it can't have well there is but it can't experience itself as an object but it's always experiencing itself as itself anyway so the first state and we'll start with the waking state because this is this is who we think we are the person on your passport the person on your driver's license huh? James James Swartz from Butte Montana huh? Vedanta teacher 5 feet 10 inches tall 195 pounds like gray hair right guru type walks around does these things touch the danta huh that's the waking waking state entity right? and that waking state entity is called vishwa or the waker waker w a k e r we it's called vishwa and the upanishad says that this vishwa has 18 mouths what 18 mouths actually i've only got 13 because it crowded my graphic <laughs> so i left off five of the mouths but it's okay cuz you'll get the idea anyway <clears throat> What are those 18 mouths? The five active organs, five perceptive organs, uh, mind, intellect and ego. Mind, intellect and ego, 10 perceptive organs, 10 active organs and five pranas. The prana maya kosha, prana pana vyana samana and udana. Now what what does it mean when we say their mouths their consumers of experience this jiva this waking state jiva is a big consumer in fact that's all it does is eat huh it eats smells tight it consumes huh it eats smells sights tastes touches feelings notice how how uh how craving you are for love and affection huh but don't you don't you crave love and affection and touch wouldn't you like somebody to hug you and and love you and huh emotionally tell you wonderful things and be sweet why that's because emotionally you're hungry <laughs> you're really hungry 
any any hug or warm thing or or nice words or or even sex or any of those things, food, all those things make you feel what? Make you feel good because you're hungry. You can't, most people can't get enough love. And they get a little bit of love and they just get, oh, they get so needy. They're just greedy for love. More, 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 give me more, more, more. Uh, intellectually, I mean, you guys have been here like what? This is the fifth day and you're still awake and paying attention. <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> Why? Because intellectually you're hungry. Your minds want to understand. You're knowledge seeking. This jiva is seeking knowledge. Huh? Give me more knowledge. I'm hungry. You know, I'm getting worn out. Like I'm six hours a day cranking out the knowledge and you guys are... <laughs> <laughs> sucking up the knowledge, right? You're hungry. Physically, you're, physically you're hungry. You want food. Eating, eating, eating. Drink. It's pranamaya kosha, so forth. You get the idea. So this guy huh, is, caught, is, caught, is a consumer, and, it's, and it's, it says in the Upanishad that in this, case, in, this, in this state, consciousness is turned outward. Why? Because all the objects are outside, aren't they? Your thoughts are outside, your feelings are outside, and all the physical world is outside. So consciousness is uh, always in those objects trying to gather experience. Sajiva. Vishwa Jiva. He has a special name. Now, in the in the the next state of consciousness is called what? The dream state. In this state, consciousness is turned inward. See the arrows? They're all going in. It's called antarmukha. In the waking, in the, this jiva, it's baharmukha. Face is turned out. In this one, your face is turned in. You're what? You're experiencing what? A world inside. Here, this fellow is experiencing an external world, and this fellow, this Tejasa, he's called Tejasa Jiva, is experiencing what? The inner world. The dream state. It doesn't mean you have to be asleep to be in this state. You can be awake and in the dream aspect of the waking state and be only experiencing your own thoughts and feelings even though you're supposedly in the waking state. This is called daydreaming, what they call daydreaming. <laughs> you can be totally obsessed with a feeling or a thought inside yourself hmm, and not hear or see or smell or taste or touch what's going on around you at all. I, when I, I, write, I write a lot and uh, I get so obsessed with the ideas inside myself that my wife will say something to me and I won't hear her. And she'll say, what, didn't you hear me? Why don't you, why don't you respond? Well, I didn't actually hear because I was so focused on, on what was going on inside, on the thoughts that Ishwara was generating in me. I was like so totally obsessed and absorbed in it that I'm completely in the inner world. That's called the dream state. Now, in this state, huh, 
you have you have a whole world. Even when in the in the dream aspect of the deep sleep state, say when your body's asleep, but you're dreaming, you have a whole world there, don't you? You can walk, talk, eat, sleep, think, meditate, pray. You can you can fly. You can do extra things. You can fly. You can shrink. You can do all sorts of very weird, strange things in this state. There's a whole world inside the here, inside of you that you can experience, either waking or uh, in in the sleep aspect of the dream state. Now, when you're in this state, remember we talked about the pratibhasika dimension yesterday? That's, that's Tejasa. That's the woman who told me when we walked out of the house. She said, Ram, Ram. There was a big tree. Ram, Ram. Did you, did you see, see the sage there? It's a big tree. And she, she saw a sage. Means, you know, like a guru guy with big orange robes and a stick and all this sort of thing. Standing by this tree. And I look, I couldn't see the sage. Because I'm in Vyavaharika Satyam. I'm in the waking empirical reality. But she's in what? Pratibhasika reality. And she thinks I see the sage. I said, no, I don't see any sage. Ah, you're just being humble. You're just trying to pretend like you're just a normal person. But I know you see that sage. Sorry, Chanti, I don't really see it. I'm sorry. Ah, no, no. She was convinced that there was a sage there. I was in this normal state. I couldn't see any sage. So in this state, you think that whatever you experience is real, don't you? When you're dreaming? If you fall out of your car, if you had an automobile accident in the car, huh? don't you? Huh? You get frightened, don't you? You see the blood coming out, and you you call the and the dream ambulance comes, and dream ambulance picks you up, and oh, you're miserable, and your wife comes, and, oh my God, she's going to die, and all that, and you feel so sorry, and she feels so sorry, and uh, uh-huh. when you're in this state, you think it's real, don't you? Yeah, and when you're in this state, you think it's real, don't you? Well, which one's the real one? Which one? Which is the real state? Neither one, right? You can't have two reals. <laughs> there's not two reality there's only one reality huh? which one is the real one no neither one you're, it, you're, it's only real when you're in it when you wake up and you go back to this to become this this jiva this entity here when you wake up and become this one you say this one wasn't real isn't that right but it's only when you're over here that you say it wasn't real. When you're over here, you say, oh yeah, it's definitely real. So, we've eliminated these two states as reality, haven't we? Or at least the experiencer of those two states as reality. You can't be two things... Huh? Because what's your experience? Where did we start this seminar from the very beginning? I, I, I am, I'm one conscious entity with a single cogent experience. Isn't that right? You, everybody is just 
One being experiencing objects. You, there's not two of you, is there? You don't have two experiences at the same time, do you? Or three experiences at the same time. I know these multitasking ideas all a bunch of, but it's nonsense. You don't multitask. You, 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 may, you hop from one experience very quickly back and forth, and you imagine that you're actually doing all three or four or five or six tasks at once, but you're not. You're only ever doing one task at one time. That's because you're only one being and you only have one experience. Why? Because reality is non-dual. That's how it is, and every, it's the same for everybody. So to be real, you can't be one person one time and somebody else the next time, can you? Years ago, this woman fell in love with me, invited me to come and live next door. She got, got rented a house next door to her house. And, and we were going to, you know, cohabit, but we are going to have separate houses. <laughs> and then, before anything had a chance to happen, she fell in love with a younger guy. And, and so she, she, yeah, yeah. I was kind of, you know, I had a few gray hairs. I wasn't. <laughs> and this young artist artist guy played the guitar, sexy guy came along and she grabbed him and dropped me. Dumped me. So she came to me, and it was embarrassing, of course, to be living next door. <laughs> it's really, really embarrassing for her. I didn't care. It was fine with me. I didn't, you know, it was all the same. I was, my heart was not broken, believe me. And... In fact, I'm glad it happened because I might have got involved with her and then discovered what kind of person she was. And so, yeah, I, I just took it as Prasad Ishwar is protecting me from, you know, this woman. So then she comes to me after, after she's been shacked up with this guy for a while. She comes to me and she said, I want you to leave. Huh. She wants me to leave. She invited me there. She got it all set up. She wants me there, and now she doesn't want me there. She wants me to go. So I said to her, I said, okay, all right, here's the thing. If you can answer this question to my satisfaction, <laughs> I, I will leave. I said, which one are you? Are you the one that loves me, or are you the one that doesn't love me? Which one? Because I'm confused. Because now you're saying you don't love me, and, now, and then you said you did love me. So what is it? Do you love me or do you not love me? Which one? Are you the person that loves me or the person that don't love me? Because huh? I heard the same person say two different things. So which one? You say you're two people. I say you're one. Help me out here. She looks at me like, what's wrong with this man? What's wrong with him? Doesn't he understand? I just want him to go. <laughs> she just stood there. She couldn't answer and then what? About two weeks later, this big truck pulls up, huh? and she and her boyfriend haul all their furniture out, and they drive off and move to the other side of town. You can't, you're only one person. You can't, huh? If you're real, you're only one person. You can't be two different people. Right? Understand. Okay, now, the third, huh? There's the third state is what? The deep sleep state. Here consciousness is turned inward. Here consciousness is turned outward. Here what? There's no arrows. 
Consciousness is not turned outward. Consciousness is not turned inward. What is it? Consciousness is undifferentiated. It's a mass. It's just spread out everywhere equally. It's all pervasive. It's the word. Vishnu. means it pervades everything. It's like space. Consciousness is like space. Now, in this state, what do you experience? What, what do you experience? Anandam. Huh? Anandam. Anandam, yeah. Bliss. Limitlessness. You feel limitless. You feel you're whole, you're complete, you're limitless. That's why, you, that's why it's blissful. That's why you like to go to sleep. Because there, you're what? Experiencing the fullness and the wholeness of yourself. Huh? And you experience what? Huh? No limits. Freedom. You're free. Free of what? Free of any sense of limitation. So, well, you're basically in this state, you're experientially enlightened, aren't you? There's no limits and you're free. And you're happy. How happy you are. If you get deprived of sleep for a short time, well, you, don't, you feel cranky, you feel uncomfortable, don't you? Because you're not satisfied. You're not getting that joy, that pleasure, and that freedom from this sense of division and separation that's always bothering this waking state entity. That sense of separation and division wears you out, makes you tired. Just, huh? You have to sleep. If you don't sleep, you'll, you'll, you'll die, basically. Because the sense of duality and this tension between where you are and what you want and what, where you are and what you fear, that tension will just, what, eventually kill you. So, Ishwara created by God's grace, Ishwara created this, this third state in which you can go, that go, and, and what? And heal yourself. By, in other words, experience yourself as fullness, completeness, limitless freedom. That state. And the experiencer there is called Pranyajiva. Those are the three, pra, three jivas I talked about earlier. Vishwa jiva, Tejasa jiva, and Pranya jiva. Okay? Now, how do you, how, how do you get to sleep? How does this jiva get to here? How does that happen? How do you do that? You don't do it. If you're trying to go to sleep, can you get to sleep? Why not? Because <laughs> the thought, the desire, I want to sleep, what keeps you in the waking state? If you lie, if you go to, if you lie down in your bed and you try to go to sleep, you can't get to sleep. How do you get to sleep? you let go of whatever thoughts are there. Right? You release all your thoughts, and then what happens? Then what happens to the waker? Huh? Disappears. 
right? Disappears. The waker, does the waker end up here? Huh? No, oh, because if, if the waker went up to here, then the waker would know it was limitless bliss, wouldn't it? So the waker isn't going up to this state. You, you can't, it, this waker can't get to this state, can it? So how then, how then do you uh, get to experience this? This one can't experience this. This one disappears. Ishwara what? Dissolves the waker and what? Reconstitutes the waker as a sukshma vritti. It's so subtle it doesn't have a subtle body. It's a causal waker. It doesn't have a subtle body so it has no intellect in this state. It, when, when this waker dissolves, it's, your mind dissolves also. Your thoughts, your mind dissolves. And Ishwara reconstitutes this jiva huh, in the form of pranya jiva. Now, how does this one get to dream? How does the, how does the pranya jiva the deep sleeper, become a dreamer. It doesn't become a dreamer. <laughs> yeah. What does it do? It disappears. It dissolves, just like the waker dissolved to become this. This dissolves to become what? Sukshma vritti, i.e. tejasadri jiva. Tejas is a very interesting word. It's a revealing word, and I'll explain it to you in a minute. And then how does this jiva, this dreamer, get to be what? A waker. How, how, how does that work? Does, does, huh? does this one go over to here? Okay, I'm dreaming. I killed my wife in the dream. I got fed up and I killed her. And then, then when I wake up, I go over. I go to the police station. And I say, I, I, "Hello, sir. I want to turn myself in. I killed my wife." I said, "Where's your? Where did you kill her?" I said, "In my dream." Huh? Huh? In my dream, I killed her. So that's it. <laughs> never mind. It's okay. Huh? Because this person isn't the same as this person, is it? This one has to disappear to become this one. Ishwara what? Dissolves the what? Dissolves the dreaming entity, the dreamer, in back what? Back into consciousness, pure consciousness. Yeah? Out of pure consciousness, out of Ishwara what? He constitutes the dreamer and the dream state. And the experience takes place. Then what happens? Then the dreamer dissolves back into pure consciousness. And then Ishwar generates what? Waking state. And what? And the waking entity, the experiencing entity. And then what? To go to sleep, what happens? Ishwar dissolves this jiva back into pure consciousness and generates what? The deep sleeper in the deep sleep state. Yes. 
what Thomas. About, what about the memories of the dreams? They do not seem completely to dissolve. They remain in the waking state. What what is what is it what are, they huh? the memories of the dreams? Yeah, there's a bleed back. There's a the 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 because the subtle body is active in both. There's a, a, a sometimes a memory of those. That's true. But actually, what this into the intellect is a, is here in this state. You can think and feel and so forth in this state, can't you? You have your intellect in here. So you're actually aware in this state of what? Of the inner world. Just like you were the outer world here, here you were the inner world. So you have a memory there, actually. And if you don't have a memory, then what? Consciousness knows. So you're fine either way. Now, when you're when you're experiencing something here, what are you experiencing? Where's this world coming from? Where's the inner world coming from? Yeah. Your vasanas. Your vasanas. You're just experiencing your vasanas. You're experiencing the same vasanas that you experience here, huh? but there's no physical body attached to the experience, so what? The sense organs, the sense instruments, the sense organs are present in both states, but the sense instruments are not present in both states, so what? It, when the sense instruments are present, what the sense instruments structure your vasanas in a certain way so that things are more solid and secure and sensible so you can act out your karma. But you can't act out your karma here. You can just observe the play of karma here, but you can't act anything out. Why? Because everything's unpredictable. Things are changing so rapidly the duration of objects is just microseconds. That there's no way for you to work out any karma here. Yes, sir. And uh, the sense of personal doership isn't um, present there. Oh yeah, Most you time. can you, you can feel you're doing. You can see, think think that you killed your wife, or you're driving a car. But the, the idea that I can um, decide what I'm going to do is no, not you so can, present. You can decide okay. in a dream. You can observe your dream ego deciding. You can have doubts in that state. I was. I had a dream. Uh, I had a dream uh, last night, and I forget what it was exactly. But I remember having a doubt about what I should do in that state. Huh? Yeah. All everything's working here. It's just the consciousness is turned in, and you don't have a physical body. Hmm. The physical body. This world is actually this world is actually a dream state, and it, it's very weird. Huh? It's extremely weird, but it doesn't look weird. It looks very logical and sensible. Huh? Everything's structured a certain way. Why is that? Because the physical instruments structure the mind so that the jiva can work out its karma. Other, huh? The instruments are in the physical body. This is an instrument. This is not the organ. This is an instrument. It's not the organ. The organ's in the subtle body. So the instruments are not here because you're asleep. In this one, you're awake, and the instruments are functioning. And it's the, when the, the, the vasanas function through the organs and the instruments, then we get this experience. But if you subtract the instruments and you only experience the organs... Huh? 
in this state, then you have very strange experience. Things move very, very quickly. All sorts of things happen, you know, in a completely different, often in different sequences and in different dimensions and all sorts of, you can fly, you can do all kinds of things here in this state. Anyway, that's, that's beside the point. Now, here's the question. Uh, which one? Of, which one of you? Which one of these are you? So in every state, you're a different entity, and you have a different experience. Which one are you? None. none. Yeah, none. <laughs> to be real, you have to be always present, and and unchanging. Isn't that right? Always present and not changing. And, and reality is only one. So you're just one being, you're always present, and you don't change. That's what real means. So, huh, so then who am I? I can't be this person I think I am, can I? How can you be that person? If you think you're this waking state person, you're just, what, you're just pretending. You're not real at all. <clears throat> this is why jnanis don't take, they don't take waking state jivas seriously. Because they know all these waking state jivas are not real. They're just pretending. <laughs> they just think they're real. They get little pieces of paper with the name on it. They say, I'm this and I'm that. And they write stories. I did this and I did that and all this sort of thing. They think they live at a certain place and they think they have certain relationships and all that stuff. And what? It's totally unreal. As soon as they go to sleep, what happens? That person's gone. But are you gone? Are you gone? Huh? When that person goes to sleep, do you go? Do you disappear? No, you know, huh? How could you experience, if you're not here in this state, then how do you experience this state? It's because you're conscious, your consciousness. <laughs> in all three states, what? Consciousness uh, is operating. Is, is, there, is, there, is there a lack of consciousness here? No. Is there a lack of consciousness here? No. Is there a lack of consciousness here? No. That's how you can experience all three of those states. Why? Because you're not any one of those states. You're consciousness. And you're not limited by what? Any one of those states. Those states and those jivas appear in you and what? But you don't appear in them. You're always what? Free of them. So what conclusion can you draw about yourself? I'm limitless, non-experiencing, witness consciousness. That's the only solution, that's the only identity that you can come up with if you're rational. If you cling to this belief that you're this person, you're wrong. And you're going to suffer. Trying to make this person real, thinking that this person is real, 
this person on your driver's license, this doer, enjoyer entity that's running around doing all this stuff and worrying about all these things and all concerned with that. If you think of this, then hell, you're, you're in trouble. There's no other. Yeah, you have to own your identity here. How can you can you own this as your identity, or this is your identity, or this is your identity? Once you know this, how can you do that? You have to be willfully ignorant. <laughs> you have to agree to be ignorant with yourself. Because there's just no way that you can be this person. You're, and if you are, you're only pretending. You don't even have control of it, do you? Of this person. <laughs> who, who is it that's creating this person and this state? Who's doing that? Who is it that's destroying this person and this state? Every day, what? Three times a day, huh? Or, what, or twice a day at least, this person is what? Appearing and disappearing. Ishwara! You're not changing. You're not changing. Awareness isn't changing. But Ishwara is what? Creating these three jivas out of you and generating these three states out of you, out of awareness. Producing the states and the experiencing entities uh, appearing, disappearing, appearing, disappearing, appearing, disappearing. There is no time. There's only what? The cycling of these three states. If you say how many experiences do you ha did you have in life? Or how many days you lived? Or how many years you lived? How many would it be? It would be exactly one. That's it. All you do, all you do, it, it, every day is exactly the same. You just wake and you dream and you sleep. <laughs> That's day one. Then day two <laughs> is I wake, dream, and sleep. Then day three, I wake, dream, and sleep. Day four, I wake, dream, and sleep. That's it. Means what? There's no change. There's no time. You're not going anywhere. You're not on a journey anywhere. You haven't had a lot of experiences. When you're in this state, you have particular experiences. When you're in this state, you have particular experiences. And when you're in this state, you have a particular experience. You have many experiences in this one, many experiences in this one, and one experience in this one. And that one experience you have here isn't an experience of nothingness. What is it? It's an experience of yourself. The bliss of yourself. You're experiencing yourself there. You say, oh, I, don't, I want to experience myself. Well, go to sleep, dummy. <laughs> You're experiencing yourself here, but you can't see it. You, huh? You're experiencing yourself here, but you can't see it. At least here you get to experience yourself. Because you don't stop experiencing, do you? 
The absence of objects is not the absence of the self. <laughs> the self, you are always present. You're unborn and you don't die. You don't change. So when there's no objects, you're not experiencing nothingness. What are you experiencing? Yourself. When your mind is stopped in samadhi or when we're having these meditations, huh? You're not experiencing nothing. This is why it's so nice and peaceful when you listen to Vedanta and you hear these teachings and the teaching is stop, it stops your mind for a minute. What happens when your mind is stopped and you don't have any questions? I, I'm asking you guys for questions and nobody ever has any questions. Now why is that? Because your mind is stopped and you're enjoying yourself and you can't think of a question. That's why. <laughs> it's only later when your mind gets going that you think of questions but when you hear the teaching and your mind gets stopped you're just experiencing the bliss the peace of your own nature and what would, what's to ask so you're always experiencing yourself in this state in all states you're always experiencing yourself in fact you're only ever experiencing yourself irrespective of the state this is why we keep pointing out over and over and over again in these teachings, you can't experience the self as an object. You're always experiencing the self as the ever-experienced subject. So who am I? Limitless, non-dual, ever-present, actionless, unborn, unconcerned <coughs> uh, awareness. Unconcerned means what? It doesn't matter what, I, what state I'm in. Who cares? What state is appearing in me? Who cares? What guna is playing out? Who cares? What's the difference? It has, doesn't affect me. I'm a non-experiencing witness. Non-experiencing means what? Nothing that happens changes me. Huh? Nothing, no experience rubs off on me. If you're this, if you're this waking state, subtle body, jiva entity, then every experience changes you, isn't it? If you feel like you're growing old, huh? or you're <coughs> suffering, it means you're just identified with the waking state experiencer. Because that waking state experiencer is constantly being changed by what? By experience. And when you identify with that, you think you're growing old and all that sort of thing, and you're suffering and this and that, and you feel you're going to die and all that sort of thing. Because what? Life is wearing you down. It's grinding you down slowly, slowly, slowly. You're getting duller and duller and duller and heavier and heavier, and then one day the equipment doesn't work and boom. And you say, they, they say, oh, he died. But what about you? Awareness? No way. Nothing that happens affects you. When the waking state comes, you're aware and conscious. When the dream state comes, you're aware and conscious. When the deep sleep comes, you're aware and conscious. Huh? And, and, and those states don't leave any traces, any vasanas in you at all. Yes, Ehud. I have a question. It seems that everyone, this might be a stupid question, but I'll ask anyone. That's good. I mean, all questions are stupid. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> it seems that everyone has 
means that everyone has a preference for the waking state. Yeah. No one ever came to me and said, Oh, this is just a dream. I'll go to the, the dream state. That's real. Yeah. So why why do we does well, everybody lot, seem to prefer well, that one and huh? feel that it's the real thing? No, because because well, for two reasons. One is because the deep sleep state, even though it's it's boring, you can't huh? Uh, it, it it even even though it, it's relief from this state, it, it it's boring. When you're when you're happy for when you're happy for a while, you get bored with being happy. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's true, huh? And plus, you can't stay in this state forever, can you? You you can only now. Tomasic people, really Tomasic people, like depressed people, they they you'll see they try, they sleep all the time. They they don't have a predilection for the waking state because they can't manage it. It's too rajasic for them. It's too many demands on them. So they want to get out of it. So they like live in dark little rooms and pull their curtains and, and, and don't, you know, and eat tomasic food and, and just sit there inside and try to sleep their lives away because they, they don't really have a predilection for this. They have a predilection for the sleep state. And this one is so fleeting, you can't really live in it. And the beauty of this one is what... We say, I said this yesterday or the day before. The reason people have a predilection for this is why. It's always novel. Hmm? It's interesting. It's colored, colorful. Huh? And it's multi multifaceted and complex. And only people, bored people, who don't know who they are, are fascinated by this. If you're fascinated, huh? if you're bored, then you're fascinated with life. Because you, you need some excitement. You want something to happen. For God's sakes, operating on my Vasanas every day is dead boring. Huh? We just become like little robots here. Our Vasanas, huh? Your Vasanas get entrenched and all you do is eat and sleep and go to your work and, you know, and fight with your wife or kids and, huh? And it just goes on and on and on and on. You want some excitement. So, huh? So that's the predilection there. Ignorance causes you to think it's a wonderful thing. You know. And most everybody in this room has realized, hey, the waking state isn't all that wonderful. It's a zero-sum game. The joy that I think is in the objects isn't actually there. Hmm? And we want out of it. And Vedanta says there's only one way out. Is to what? Claim your identity as awareness. There's no way out in the dream. If you're in the dream, doing dream actions, you will not get out. Unless what? That dream action is inquiry, guided by scripture. That's the only way out. You've got to start inquiring into who you are. And then if you have a... A lot of people are inquiring who they are, but they don't have a proper scripture and they don't have a teacher. Or if they have a proper scripture, they read the scripture and think they can figure it out from within the dream, and you can't. Because your ignorance, huh? your ignorance of yourself will cause you to misunderstand the words of the scripture. You may get very far with reading huh? these texts and so forth and so on, but you'll never get moksha that way. Because that, that, that little bit of ignorance will cause you to misunderstand the teaching. 
So the only way is what? To have have proper scripture and be taught. Like this. Now, is there anybody here who would have thought up that analysis? I didn't think it up. I, I don't think I'm brilliant because I'm teaching it. I was just as dumb as everybody else. I just, when I heard it, I thought, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. That's incredible. And I just learned it. It didn't take long to figure it, learn it, because it's so brilliant. And what does it do? It negates my identity as a waker and a deep sleeper and a dreamer, doesn't it? Those identities can be negated. But can you uh, negate what? Yourself? Can you negate consciousness? The truth is what cannot be negated. Knowledge is what cannot be negated or dismissed. You can dismiss the waker, you can dismiss the dreamer, you can dismiss the deep sleeper, but you can't dismiss yourself, consciousness, can you? It is impossible to get rid of yourself. So, once you understand that, then the, the only, all that's left is what? Is to claim your identity as what? As awareness. As consciousness. And that's, we said yesterday, that's a gradual process. Shifting your identity from what? From the waker to the awareness. That's a gradual process. It takes time. So for that we need what? Upasana. And we need what? We need shravana, manana, and nididyasana. We need to listen, we need to reflect, and we need to keep doing the work over and over and over again until your identity shifts from the waker to the self. It takes time, because I've been thinking I'm a waker all along, haven't I? Ever since I was born, I've, been t I've treated myself as this body-mind entity in this waking state. All every every all everything I believe about myself relates to what? To this body mind waking state entity. It's an it's an honest mistake. It isn't like it, you you consciously decide to do that. It's just that we're all born ignorant. We're all born with this belief that we're this waking state entity, and that's it's a hardwired ignorance. It's hot, and you have to like work hard to what undo that thinking. It's just a thought that I'm this person. And we're now, now you have the logic to back you up and, and you know, when you, if you could contemplate on this, it will be much easier for you to shift your identity to awareness. But, you know, when this, this person says I'm awareness, he feels like a fraud, right? You feel like a fake. You feel dishonest. You feel embarrassed. No? Don't trust that feeling. That feeling is born out of ignorance. That feeling, you should not trust that feeling. We're all fakes if we think we're this. <laughs> the only thing about Yanis is they know they're fakes. We know we're fakes and we don't mind being fake, fraudulent. So we act like human beings. That's all. We just pretend we're humans. I know how to act like a human because I was a human for a long time. So I learned all the tricks. I learned how to pretend to be, what? This waking state entity, that's all. But I never for one minute think I'm this James person. 
never for one minute. I always see James as an object. I, I like James. I, I take care of James. I look after James. I make sure I love James, actually. He's really kind of cool. <laughs> I think he's kind of cool. <laughs> and I can afford to think he's cool, because huh? I'm free to think whatever I want to about James. <laughs> See? So I take care of James, but I never think that I am James. It's like my dog or my pet or my cat or my kid or something like that. It's a cuddly little thing. I like, nom nom, love you, James. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, a guy. Some people get the knowledge through experience. Uh, I think Ramana Maharishi get enlightenment through meditation. Well, uh, he got the knowledge, but getting the knowledge is only the first stage. Getting, getting enlightened is only the first stage. There, the, he, he went from indirect knowledge to direct knowledge right away. But there's two more stages after that. And, and, uh, uh, and that's why he went to the cave. Because he did, he did yasana in the cave. He, he shifted the identity. He said he knew he was that. But then what? He just took care of all his vasanas and stuff for all those years in the cave. So, and then he got tripti. Tripti means what? Perfect satisfaction. Now, if, if he'd gotten perfect satisfaction at the time at which he had that vision, uh, why, why would he go to the cave particularly? Why doesn't he go home and eat his mom's itlis and play cricket with the other Brahmin boys uh, and enjoy himself? Why would he go and sit in the cave and get bitten by bugs and ants and sit in samadhi and do all these weird things? Huh? There was no, he almost, he would have died. He was just sitting there in Samadhi that, that, in that Patalalingam where, where they made a shrine out of that now, you know. He, the, uh, he was getting, I was all infected. He had septicemia because the ants and bugs and some, I don't know, maybe mice or whatever were biting him. Uh, and, well, why would anybody do that that was in their right mind? Well, he was doing his sadhana after his moksha because he realized there's some kind of work to do. Now, the Ramana people don't like that idea, many of them. Most of them. Why don't they? Why is it that they don't like that idea? Because they don't want to do any work. They want to just, what, have it happen and then walk off and enjoy. They don't want to do any sadhana. So they want to believe that that was the end of it. And even if it was the end of it for Ramana and he got tripti, in other words, he was totally satisfied with himself and with life, immediately on the, he's he's one of a billion so uh, tr for any normal human being I think Ramana was a normal human being frankly uh, the word Ramana for me means the self and I think that's what the word Ramana meant for him I don't think he was special in that sense I mean just because you realize it's 17 or you realize it's 70 what's the difference it's a difference. So, you know, you got to do the work. That's why we have a stage after self-realization. 
There's two stages, actually. First, you get the knowledge. You don't get the knowledge without listening. Like I said, huh? you need to be taught because you'll get the wrong idea. And then, once you hear the teaching, then you, if you're highly qualified, maybe Ramana was highly qualified, if he was highly qualified and he got the knowledge, then he doesn't have to do the next two stages. Maybe he was. Nobody really knows. Actually, nobody really knows. We just use him as an example. So if he's highly qualified, that's called an Uttama Adhikari, and you just hear the knowledge, then you don't have to do Manana Nidhyasana because you get to enjoy the fruit of your realization immediately. Uh, some of those people like Adi Da and, 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 and others, Andrew Cohen and all these people, they got the realization about what? They didn't do the next two stages. Huh? So their karma came back to bite them because they didn't work it out. They just stopped at that stage. They just thought, well, knowledge is enough. And it gave them a great inspiration and a lot of shakti. So they attracted a bunch of people, but they never continued on with their sadhana. In fact, they didn't really have any sadhana. They just, what, stumbled on awareness through shakti pot or some other way. So there was no discipline there. They weren't trained and disciplined or purified before it happened. So then what? If you don't purify afterwards, definitely Ishwar will bring you down and ruin your life, change your karma for you. So the next stage is you hear it. And then if you have any doubts, and usually you do, like when you heard this teaching, uh, I, I saw there were still doubts in people's foreheads. <laughs> well, why do you have, and then what does that mean? Because you, if you're qualified, you can just claim your, uh, your <clears throat> Uh, you can claim I'm awareness right now, and you can say I'm finished with that part. I'm finished with the, the the seeking part and the knowledge part. That's all over for me. But what if you still have doubts about whether you're this or whether you're this? Then you have to keep reflecting on the teachings. That's called the next stage. It's called manana. You have to use your intellect and your mind to reflect upon the teachings. <coughs> Until what? Until you see that it's true. And you let go of your doubt. So that stage is for removing your doubts. Now, you can, you can be completely intellectually clear that you're awareness. Totally intellectually clear, but still not feel free. We don't... <laughs> it isn't going to do you any good unless you feel free. Liberation is what? Liberation while you're alive. That means you're acting free, you're feeling free, you don't feel limited. You're limited. So if you're totally, if you have the knowledge and you're completely convinced and doubt-free, that's still not what? Liberation. Liberation is for liberation from the feeling that you're what? Limited. And that means what? If you're feel, you don't feel free, it means you've got unresolved, unconscious issues that need to be rooted out before uh, you get the freedom. Because the freedom is called tripti, perfect satisfaction. You're totally satisfied. You're totally satisfied, one, with the world, and you're totally satisfied with yourself. 
the stage in between the knowledge and what? And total satisfaction is what? The doer drops. That's stage six of realization, of, of, of enlightenment. Stage five is direct knowledge. You got it, no doubt. Stage six, what happens? Doership and enjoyership drops. And then what? Perfect satisfaction ensues after that. That's the last stage. So, Panchadasi, you'll see the book. Book will be coming out soon. I've just it's it's been uh, with the uh, editor now for the last two or three weeks. Uh, he said he's coming along well on it, so it will soon be there. And the, the, all that that whole discussion about direct and indirect knowledge and doership and and perfect satisfaction is all taken care of in the Panchadasi. So. Uh, you can read it then when it comes out. Or you can get the Panchadasi video from uh, from India, which is again being edited now, and you can see there those stages. So you can check and see where you're at. Zvedanta is just very systematically laid out every stage. And you can see just by understanding it, reading it, or listening to the video, where you're at, where you're stuck, and what you need to do. At every stage, if you find yourself at this stage, there's a practice for you. There's something you can do to move on to the next stage. So it, this is it all laid out. It's all worked out. You don't, you know, you don't have to. All you have to do is follow the teaching. That's it. And that may be rather difficult. If your mind is dull or your mind is rajasic, if your mind is active or dull. Uh, or you have deep unconscious things that you haven't worked out, relationships with your parents or, or your, your children or your wife or your kids, love issues or whatever, then uh, you need to work those out. That's called the nididyasana phase. To have the, your lifestyle may not be conforming. It, you won't get that final stage unless your lifestyle is conforming. Scripture is really clear about that. So you need a perfectly sattvic lifestyle for example, and so on. Those corrections you can do. Okay. Uh, sorry we ran over on the time. <laughs> take a break and we'll come... We'll take a break and we'll come back to Chapter 12. We have no year donation box. Spending boxes, that's spending, yeah. That's, that's, spending means donations. Spending means donations, huh? Yeah. Nice, we, I've got some, we've got some videos up here. Oh, one more, one more thing. Also for some of the Sevakas who are listening only for a couple of sessions or so, and listen, one more thing. If, if we, we every, every, about every month we do make a newsletter, and it usually has really interesting articles, and it tells what we're doing in Shining World and and all of that. Uh, and there's and the the course we're doing an on, a course that where the webinar course that's printed there in the newsletter. So if you want to sign your name up, uh, we'll send you a copy. We're not going to hustle you for money or anything like that. It's just a newsletter. And uh, and and if but if you do sign up, please write your email <coughs> legibly, huh? Like at least 25 or 30 percent of the people, we can't read their damn handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> so, huh? so, so you sign up for the the videos are there. If you have any questions about them, 
there's little cards here. You can take a card, uh, give your friends, or just for the hell of it, the chart is there. Help yourself to those. And um, it explains more or less what they are. So, Thank you for listening to the talk of James Wards on the Bhagavad Gita, recorded at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.